0: All right, so Psalm 146, notice what we read in verse 5. I'm just going to dive in, and we'll come back to the rest of the psalm a little later. But Psalm 146, verse 5, it says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And so last week I was finishing up the psalms for the year And I came across this passage here in verse 5 and it just kind of stopped me in my tracks and I thought, you know what, I'd like to share that on New Year's Day. Happiness, that's a big word. I think it's epic in our culture because it's intrinsic within our nature. We desire uh, to be happy. That's why it's even woven into the Declaration of uh, Independence uh, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, uh, the pursuit of life and liberty Life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, right? And so I was thinking, here we are, it's New Year's Day. What are you guys going to say tonight when that ball drops? Happy New Year. And so I have a question for you. Do you mean it when you say it? Or are you just saying it? You know, when someone has a birthday, happy birthday. Do you mean it when you say it? Or is it something that... You know, you just do as a superficial formality, routine, rut, whatever it might be. No, absolutely not. Especially as Christians, you guys are sincere. Uh, You want your friends, your family to be happy. And so I thought it would be good for us as we're going to be saying that today, as we're going to be thinking about that going into 2024, that we should study a little bit about happiness itself. What is happiness? You know, what is it? Uh, Is it important or Another question might be, what makes us happy? Uh, Lucille Ball. Any of you guys heard of her? Remember Lucille Ball, that famous redhead? I don't know if she was really a redhead or not. Um, But she said this. She said, it's a heck of a start being able to recognize what makes you happy. You know, what makes you happy? I was thinking about Lucille Ball and uh, so many of uh, the shows that she had. In one sense, I think she was a bad influence, so maybe you shouldn't watch her. (laughs) but she was funny she was funny and uh, it was interesting even her being um, the nationality that she was and having a Hispanic husband like that that was cutting edge uh, back in those days it was a big thing so it was a big breakthrough certain things about that that were kind of cool but um, do you guys remember the program or the show where she did it uh, with William Holden do you guys remember that one I think we have a picture here of her when she did that one Um, her nose remember it caught on fire Okay, so it wasn't really her nose. You got to watch it. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to check it out because, um, you know, when you watch maybe certain shows, like that might be one of them, you know, it makes you laugh. I would laugh out loud. It Actually, in one sense, you know, some might say makes me happy. But is that happiness? Is laughing happiness? Here's another question. Are funny people How many of you guys know funny people? Are funny people automatically happy people? I I don't know. Uh, It's a good question. You know, when I I think of Lucille Ball, I, I wonder if she was happy. I hope she was happy. Like the rest of us, she wasn't perfect. But, you know, I do hope she was happy, and I hope you're happy. You know, life might not be going the exact way that you would have routed it, but somewhere in the midst of all this, um, you know, madness, God is weaving together something beautiful. And it's important for us to understand where happiness is rooted in. Listen, for, fame and fortune can't buy you happiness. I think most of you know that, huh? Well, if you're, someone were to ask you, hey, you think more money will make you happy? Most of you know that. But I think a lot of us will still pursue how money will pursue the career that will make us famous and some will pursue a, a relationship that they'll think that, well, that will make me happy. Believe it or not, even the pursuit of happiness won't make you happy. And, and yet I think we want this. I think we need to know more about how this works. Some people believe that, well, if I were better looking, you know, here you are, you're a girl and you're thinking, well, if I had a better figure, if I had a better face I was more beautiful, then I would be happy. You're a guy here and, you know, you're, you're thinking if I were handsome, I'd be happy. I mean, listen, that won't make you happy. I know from experience. So, um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Greg Laurie is the one that said that. So I got that from him, but Um, You know, you guys know, I think deep down inside, we know, well, those things won't make me happy, but we still pursue them. You know, we still kind of go that route. You know, the bottom line is happiness is not something we should pursue or focus on. It's basically, we're going to see today, something rooted in the fruit of a life that is rooted deeply in a relationship with God. You know, I I have kids, and I'll be honest with you, like that's what I want for them. I want them to go to heaven, and I want them to be happy. I want my daughter to marry a man that will make her happy. I want my son to marry a, a gal that will make him happy. Of course, we know holiness is there and we got to get ready to go to heaven and that's important for us as Christians. But when I was first uh, saved and I think kind of started leaning into more of a legalistic relationship, I remember, you know, saying, no, God's not interested in us being happy. God's only interested in us being holy. I got so weird that on New Year's Day, instead of saying Happy New Year, I said Holy New Year. And I'm like, God, Manny, what were you thinking? That's kind of weird. I dare you say that today to someone, Holy New Year. (laughs) If someone says that to you, just slap them upside (laughs) in the face. No, God is okay with us being happy. God is okay with us smiling. Now, we're going to go through difficult things, but even there, you'll find a deeper happiness. We call it joy we're gonna talk about that as we go through our study today. I mean, here in Psalm 146, verse five, believe it or not, is packed with content that are gonna help us a whole lot. Now, Psalm 146 is the first of five joyous hymns of praise that they, they close the book of Psalms, each beginning and ending with that wonderful word, hallelujah. Look, if you would, at verse one. It says, praise the Lord, Praise the Lord, O my soul. So the word uh, praise the Lord in the Hebrew is what? Hallelujah. That's what it is. Hallelujah. It kind of transliterates into other languages as well. But this is, these are five psalms of praise. They begin with hallelujah. They end with hallelujah. They're filled with hallelujahs. And these five psalms are actually packed with lists of reasons that we praise the Lord. And so here in verse five, again, notice what it says. It says, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You know, I, I love the way that it starts. Just happy is, is this individual. Happy is he, happy is she. God is interested. God does desire us to be a, a happy people uh, it's kind of a bummer sometimes you see christians man and they they just you know walk around they say they're saved but they look like they've been sucking on lemons all day and it's like wait a minute what kind of a witness in that who would want your god who you you go around and all you are is this stoic you know serious non-smiling saint no god wants us to be happy he's interested in our happiness right you know uh, to me that's what i thought at first he's just an apathetic stoic. But then as I began to read my Bible, I found the word happy in there uh, 25 times, how God is interested in our happiness. And other words connected to happiness and its concept are actually found 2,700 times in the Bible. I mean, so that's a lot. That Apparently, just like us with our kids, just like us with others, let me ask you a question. Look to the person to the right of you, to the left of you. Do you want them to be happy? Absolutely. Well, maybe some of you here, I'm thinking maybe, not them, I'm just joking. (laughs) No, we want to, you know, and so God does as well, of course not with a life of compromise, but you know, it's something that he wants. I was even thinking about that passage in Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. It says, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness... To his wife, whom he has taken. You know, believe it or not, you know, God wants husbands to make their wives happy. So here's a big question for us as husbands have we done that? Well, you're like, I tried, man, but you know how she is. (laughs) You know what I tell guys? When I tell guys, you know what, you're going to be sorry. You're going to stand before God one day having failed in probably one of your most, if not the most, important role and responsibility you had in all of life. You could not make your wife happy. I mean, and you got to, well, I tell guys, I say, well, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do either, but you have to figure that one out. You want to put a smile on her heart. You want to give her joy For the journey. It's one of the things that God has called us to in life. Happiness is important. It's a parent's hope for their children. Now don't get me wrong. One thing I will say is there is no human relationship that will be the source of joy. The source of joy and happiness cannot be found in a man or a woman. Because I know there are some of you here. You are completely convinced that if you get married you'll be happy. Right? No, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It, it's almost as if one person said, and I read this, because I read a lot of things on this, a lot of quotes on this, and I read this over and over and over again. If you're not happy with what you have now, which is contentment and joy, then you will never be happy. If you're looking for happiness in relationship or in marriage, then you won't be happy. Just like the pursuit of happiness won't make you happy. What we find is that, yes, God can use a husband or a wife as a vessel of happiness, but never as a source of happiness. The source of happiness is in who? It's in the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, right? And so for us, in looking at happiness, the Hebrew word translated happy here is the word asher, and at its core, the word communicates the state of prosperity that comes when a person finds favor or a blessing. It was kind of like what Pastor Mark was sharing earlier. The, the blessings that come down really are just the favors of God. And he's the only one that can give us that. Deuteronomy thirty three twenty nine says, happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. So so in the, in the Bible, happiness is a state of prosperity. We find favor with God, right? And so you read it, black and white, subjective. Okay, Manny, but what about the way I feel? You know, because if I were to ask you here today, how, do you feel happy? Are you happy? Many of you would say no. And tonight, you know, when you have 100 people telling you happy new year, You're dying inside because it's so tough for you. And this is why we need to redirect everything to what the Bible has to say. You know, happiness, one person defined it as a positive and pleasant emotion ranging from, and these are very important words, contentment and joy. I found this over and over again, contentment and joy. And so it is attached to an emotion it's first of all a conviction rooted in a relationship with god but it's also attached to an emotion that we have and i think when the connection with god is strong then the emotion itself and sometimes even your feelings will follow and there'll be a smile on your face now sometimes a smile will lead to happiness other times the smile will be the fruit of happiness Moments of happiness may be triggered by positive life experiences or thoughts, but sometimes it just arises from no obvious cause. You know, you read a a verse that just blesses your heart. Your kid gives you a a compliment, and then after you wake up after fainting, you're just so happy, you know, from that. You know, just certain things that we go through in life. Someone a word of encouragement. And so happiness is... Important to God I do think it's biblical um, I, I do think we know when we have it and when we don't are you a happy person I, I pray that that you are because that's this, we're going to see happier people live longer lives church churchgoers are happier people I have a, a, an article right here that talks about um, what states are the most happiest to live in and what vocations uh, uh, generally speaking, did you know that Republicans, generally speaking, are more happier than Democrats? I don't, just wanted to say that to you. It says that in the magazine. <laughs> it's the science of happiness. You know, they talk about things like uh, exercise and diet. Any of you guys going to start, you know, exercising? You know, you'll last for like five days. <laughs> no, we should. We should take care of our body because we are trichotomy. We are body, soul, and spirit. The body, the soul, and the spirit. And if we take care of our body, it affects our spirit and our soul. If we take care of our spirit, it affects our body and our soul. If we take care of our soul, it affects our body and spirit. So when you see the way that they're intricately intertwined, my encouragement to you is get your sleep, eat right, exercise, read your Bible, pray. That was one of the things I forgot to mention earlier today. As we're starting a new year, it's a good time to start reading your Bibles. You know, when I got saved, and the only reason I say this to you guys is because I got pushed, I got nudged, I got challenged by my pastor to read my Bible through every year. And I thank God that he challenged me because I learned so much. Spending time with the Lord, just sitting there at his feet. So maybe for you, you won't read the whole Bible in in a year because maybe it's too much for you. It probably takes about maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes a day to read through the whole Bible in a year. Maybe all you have is 15 minutes. Um, Maybe you can read through the New Testament in a year. And so, my encouragement to you is to do that. Uh, Pastor Mark mentioned our reading program, which is unique because it has the Gospels throughout the year. So, you read Matthew and then the book of Acts. You read Mark and then you read the Pauline epistles. You read uh, Luke and then you read the general epistles. And then you read John. And then the letters that he wrote as well as the book of Revelation. And the cool thing about that is you're not just reading your Gospels in the beginning of the year. You're actually spreading it out. Studying the life of Christ throughout the year. But we do need to be in the word. And we do need to be in prayer. Because this is how we cultivate the relationship with God. A lot of people are watching TV. And they're not reading their Bibles. And it just breaks my heart. You guys, I encourage you, open up that book. So generally speaking, happiness, this is what it is. It's important to God. But the big question really is, how do we get happy? How do we get it? And so notice what we read here in verse five, three things. Um, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And so number one, regarding the three reasons or the second point on our uh, outline is happiness in the God of Jacob. Now that says two things. Number one, his identity. And number two, um, his mercy. And and so happy is that person who has, we, we see there in verse five, the God of Jacob. Now the God of Jacob is the God of the Bible. The God of Jacob is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's through that lineage. The God of Jacob is very specifically the God of the Bible, the God of the New Testament, the Old Testament, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is the God of Jacob. An interesting passage over in Psalm 144, verse 15. It says, "Happy." There's that word again are the people who are in such a state happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Now, if you look at that word Lord there, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a tetragrammaton. And what that is, is that is the covenant name of God. He's the only one with that name. The word God or the title God, that might be more generic. And some might say, well, God is Allah or God is the 300, you know, million gods that the Hindus have or God is, you know, the, the Buddhist concept of, of God or God is pantheism, you know, where they say that God is everything that's created. And so, you know, we're living in a world that's a pluralistic society and they get offended when you tell them, no, 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 that, that's not God. There is no happiness in any of that. Happy is he who's, who has this God. It's the God of Jacob. This God of the Bible, he's the one that will make you happy. And, and the beautiful, wonderful thing about that is that this God of Jacob is the God of a personal relationship. You know, why is he called the God of Abraham. Because Abraham had a personal relationship with his creator. Why is he called the the God of Isaac? Because Isaac had a personal relationship with his creator. Jacob has a personal relationship with his creator. You can have a personal relationship with God. He's the God of Randy, the God of, you know, um, you name Raymond. I mean, he's the God of Manny, believe it or not. And so for us, we have to make sure that we specifically identify who God is. Uh, uh, For example, let me show you guys a picture of someone that I think is famous. I want to show you guys this next picture. Do you guys know who that is? Who? Elvis Presley, right? And so, you know, that's Elvis. um, You know, uh, the other day I went to the park and there was a guy there who looked like him, who sounded like him. But you guys know as well as I do, because you guys have probably seen Elvis' impersonators, right? Uh, they, they don't look like, they don't really look like him. They kind of look like him. They don't really sound like him. Why? Because there's only one Elvis. And you know You got these gods out there. They are not the God of Jacob. They are not the God of Jacob. They are not the God of the Bible. They will never bring happiness. Only the one true living God will bring happiness. It's important for us to to understand that because the impersonators are fake. The god or gods of Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam are not the god of Jacob. As a matter of fact, the interesting thing is sometimes you'll talk to people and they, oh, they're all the same, and they kind of lump it all into the same thing. No, the followers of those different religions the people who are faithful to those different faiths would be the first to tell you their God or gods are not the God of Jacob. And so happiness is rooted in a relationship with the God uh, of Jacob. You know, they say it's the same. No, that would be like saying orange is an apple, or black is white, or impersonal is personal, war is peace. You can say it if you want, but the nature of these deities are completely different. They are diametrically uh, opposed to each other, they are mutually exclusive. You see, happiness is connected to the God of Jacob. That's what the Bible says here in verse 5. That's his identity. And a huge reason that's a factor for our happiness is because of his mercy. And I think that's why he's called the God of Jacob. Do any of you guys know what Jacob's name was eventually changed to? He was eventually changed to Israel, right. Jacob's name was changed in Genesis chapter 32 when he wrestled with God. When he wrestled with God. Can I ask you guys a question? Have you ever wrestled with God? ever wrestled with God? And you're like, Manny, what are you talking about? I'm talking about like really praying. Like really praying, you know? When you're praying all night. That's what he did that night. I'm not saying you have to pray all night, but maybe you will pray all night, you know? Or whatever. You're really fasting. You're really seeking God. You know, Christians have to start stepping up and not being wimpy in their prayers, You flip one up every once in a while. You think you're going to have a good life. You think you're going to experience everything you're supposed to experience. You think that's going to bless your kids, prayers like that every once in a while. No, Jacob wrestled with God and he wrestled with God all night. Any of you guys who have ever wrestled, you know that's not easy to do, right? But there he is. And then basically at the end, uh, Hosea tells us that he was holding on to his ankle. He says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. How about you praying that prayer? How about you praying like that? Lord, I, I'm not going to let you go and, unless you bless me. And that, does, that doesn't mean that we're praying to win the lottery. That doesn't mean that we're praying, you know, for our circumstances to be favorable to our flesh. No, that means is we want what God wants for us. So I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to stop praying, Lord, until you bless me. And it's just so cool because God at that time, he put, you know, his hand in Jacob's uh, hip and that created a limp, For the rest of his life, that would be a constant reminder of God's perpetual presence. And then God changed his name. And the reason God changed his name is because God was doing a new work and God would change his nature as well. And um, Jacob, it means heel catcher. It means conniver. It means manipulator. It means deceiver. But God would change him from Jacob to Israel, which means governed by God. So I have a big question. Why doesn't God in this verse say, you know, the the God of of Israel? Verse 5 Happy is he who has the God of Israel for his help. Because it's written after he changed his name. You know, as a matter of fact, it's interesting. The name Jacob is found 382 times in the Bible. And the name or nation of Israel is mentioned 2,579 times in the Bible. So you would figure, you know, more more times Israel, why is he calling him Jacob here? And and, and I I think of that because that's his predominant name. But what we find is that what God is communicating to you and to me here in Psalm uh, 146 verse 5 is that he is a God of mercy, He's a God of mercy, and you're, you're wondering, well, why why you say that? Because Jacob was like the dark side. That, that was his dark side of this individual. Jacob was an, an extremely imperfect man. Jacob was like us. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this. He was a sinner. He was a sinner. Now, I, I look at you, I love you as much as I can. I mean, possible, I love you guys, but you are sinners. We are sinners. And you might think, well, then, you know what? There's no way that I could be happy because I failed as a husband. I failed in whatever role and responsibility, title and task that you have. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, that kind of saps you of your strength. But at, at the end of the day, what we find is because of the fact that God is a merciful God, that because he's the God of, of Jacob, you know, there's hope for us. Maybe you can relate to this uh, for those of you who are parents. And you have different names for your kids, right? Don't you all have different names for your kids? When all is well, you know, you like the little boy? Hey, mijo. Hey, champ. Hey, buddy. How you doing? When all is not well, you call them by their birth name right, it's kind of like that, mija, sweetheart, cookie, oh, yeah, hey, and when my mom was mad at me, she would call me, not only by my birth name, but by all three, Manuel Anthony, Coronia, get over here, you know, and I'm like, whoa, I forgot that was my name, I thought it was pup or something like that, you know, (laughs) don't tell anybody I told you that, but anyways, you know, it's kind of like that, God here, not calling him Israel, he's calling him, hey, traveso, You know, he's the God of, and again, not making light of that, but it's just so beautiful to know that we can run through the fields of forgiveness. I'm free. I don't feel guilty. I don't have that burden on me anymore because I know where my faith is placed in the one who died on the cross and his blood washed me as white as snow. I know, Isaiah chapter 1, come, let us reason, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I know that. And because of that, I, I'm able to go through happy. First John 2, it, it says in verse 1 and 2, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, it says in verse 2, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You know, a lot of church, in one sense, can be summarized in these two verses. You know, I pray that you come to church. It's like a huddle, man. You go, you know, to football, and you see those guys huddling. Okay, break. And then you go out and you have to execute, right? And so in one sense, church is like that. We come together, it's a holy huddle. And then it's like break. Okay, now we're going to go out and we're going to live uh, the life. We're going to execute the life. And so so much of what we desire is that we would not, you would not go out there and sin, you would be, we would be godly men, godly women. Thoughts are right, words are right, attitudes are right, actions are right, decisions are right. We are right. We want to live that life, that holy life. My, my little children, I write these things to you so that you don't sin. But if you do, and because we live in the fallen body, in the fallen world, and fight fallen angels, we will sin every day. We will. He says, if you do, though, I want you to know you're forgiven if you're a Christian. If you've placed your faith in Christ. And you know when you're a Christian, it's just a beautiful thing. He lifts up the guilt and takes it away. All I know is that happy is he who has this God. It's the God of, of Jacob. And that's not just his identity. It's his mercy and I don't know how you're doing in the, in the world of friends. I don't know how many true friends you have. Friends are precious. Friends are, are, are valuable. Friends are not to be taken lightly. Thank God for the work that he does when he gives us friends. But you ha- if you're here and you're a Christian, I hope you know you also have a friend in Jesus because he is a friend of sinners that's what the bible says in luke chapter 7 verse 34 and this makes me happy now we see here happiness in general we see happiness in the god of jacob we see happiness in the god who helps us cuz if you would look again at, at verse 5 happy is he or or she who has the god of jacob for his help for his help and that's that's a huge thing because sometimes man people try to do things on their own people try to do things without God's help and this is why believe it or not i think that you do see some christians Anxiety, depression, defeat, discouragement, they're down and out, and in one sense it's almost as if they're because if it persists and you know for long periods of time, it's almost like they're misrepresenting God. And it's like, wait a minute, if you would just let God help you through this, you'll be happy. You'll be blessed, because that's what the Bible says. You know, I was talking with someone the other day and and I was just, you know. I was just wondering, because now, you know, having gone through it, those of you guys who have lost a loved one, you know, we've we've lost friends, you know, and it's it, it's tough, you know. I have certain people that I can think of in the church that were just a perpetual encouragement to me. There was this guy, most of you guys don't know him, but his name was Bob McCarter, and the guy just glowed with love for me, and he was always encouraging me, always praying for me. And then, you know, now, and then he passed away. And, you know, I think of my sister, Margaret. I think of other people, you know, and and now my mom who passed away, right? And so you have people in your family, siblings that, you know, we're talking about close family who have passed away. Maybe your parents have passed away. Some of you who have children who have passed away, and that's the hardest one. And, and so I was talking to someone the other day and I, it just it hit, finally hit me because I've heard it before but I've never really experienced it like that. It's like, how do people who don't have God, how do they go through this? Because they have no hope. Their loved one dies and turns to dirt. They'll never see them again. They die. There's no hope of life after death. How do people do this without God? You know, for us, at least those of us who have a loved one who's passed away, we have this hope. It says because God is our help and God comforts us with his presence and he comforts us with his promise because, you know, in Christ, I will see my mom again, my dad again. I will see Margaret and Bob and all the others that have gone on before us. It's not a a goodbye forever. It's just a goodbye for now. But you can only go through things like that and all the other million tragedies that we will experience on this side of time. You can only go through that and come out healthy and happy if God helps you. But you have to let him help you. You have to ask him to help you. This is why some people struggle. You know, the word help is found 173 times in the Bible. And if we ask him for help, God will help us. As a matter of fact, he's the only one who can help us. And when he helps us, that will lead us to happiness. I remember, you know, in high school and I don't know like the whole details, but I had a friend who would always tell me, smile, smile. Can I tell you guys smile? Come on, smile. I want to see some smiles here. And I don't don't know why, um, but I do know that there's this aspect of understanding what happens in life and going to God in prayer That brings us that help that we need in order to have the happiness that we long for. Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So maybe you're here and I've seen it as a pastor. My heart goes out to so many people, but they're just like up. And down and all around, and sometimes they're happy, and sometimes they're mad, and sometimes they're bitter, and sometimes they're spiteful, and sometimes they're you know, just all over the place. And and my encouragement to you is man, get on your knees and go to that throne of grace, and there God will meet you and give you help in time of need. That's the promise. Isaiah forty one fourteen. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord and your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. You know it's interesting when you read the book of Isaiah. It, two things were going on it, primarily. Number one, God promised that He would protect them from the Assyrians, and so someone, the enemy is trying to get you. Boom! One angel comes, he wipes out one hundred eighty five thousand Assyrians. And so there will be those times where God will spare you from it. But then another part of Isaiah is after the Babylonian captivity, 70 years in captivity, that they would return. And so sometimes God helps you and spares you from the catastrophe. Other times God is willing to help you through the catastrophe. But in the end, he helps us. And even in Jeremiah 29, 11, that's where we have that beautiful promise of God's hope for a wonderful future, which we're going to look at later. Psalm 60, verse 11 and 12, it says, Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. And so whenever I think of my enemies, I never think of a person, never, You may be here and you think of people that hate you, people that want you to fail, people that are against you. Don't even think about them. It's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so the help of man in such cases is useful. And so we're praying, Lord, give us help. And God will help us out. God will help us through God will help us even to the very end when we need it the most. Because we not only need a God who can help us when life gets hard, we need a God who can help us when life ends. And we can even face death with joy. You see? And so happiness in general, happiness in the God of Jacob, happiness in the God who helps, And then finally, happiness in the God of hope. Because look what we read here in verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And so how many of you would say, just out of curiosity, happiness is kind of a big word? I'm just curious. It is kind of a big word, huh? How many of you would say that help is a big word? Uh, I would say, yeah, that's A big word, I think when Peter was sinking, that's all he had to do is say, help. And the Lord pulled him up and put him in the boat. And then I would say that hope is a huge word as well. When I think of hope, I think of my future. I think of aspirations, expectations, hope for good things that are ahead. You know, it was kind of cool. Um, How many of you here would say that you're an optimistic person? So some of you guys are, some of you are, are not, some of you don't know what it means, but that's okay. Um, optimistic, it, it kind of means that we're, we're, we see good things in the future, because that's what kind of brings people down, is they can't see the good and wonderful things in the future, and they call them pessimists. But when you're a Christian, you're an optimist. You see good things in the future. I was reminded of my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. They were outstanding citizens of the community, and they were part of the Optimist Club. Any of you guys ever heard of the Optimist Club? Really beautiful organization that they would go, and they would serve, and they would give, and they would donate. In order to give uh, hope to uh, orphans, who might not have the privileges that other children have. And it's a beautiful thing to see that you're looking forward, you're helping them with their future. And, and this is something that I hope we have as well. See, I'm an optimistic person, and it's hard for me to understand the way that pessimistic people think. Now, I, I'll be the first to admit, you may have been wired that way in your mother's womb. You, you may have come out of the womb a pessimistic child, right? Or a pessimistic person. So it's hard for you, it's harder for you, you know, to see good in your future. But, you know, in spite of the fact that that's the way you're wired and that's the wiring, this is the wording. And like I said earlier, the path of the just is like the shining of the sun. It shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Let me tell you something. When you're a Christian, you know, I'm not saying it gets easier because it never gets easier. As a matter of fact, Dr. Duffield, who walked with the Lord for, I think it was like 70 years, he said it gets harder. So I'm not saying it gets easier, but I am saying it gets better. When you're growing in the Lord, your future is so bright that you've got to wear sunglasses. I've shared that with you guys before, right? It is. Now, for some of you here, you've got to just accept that by faith. You've got to know that. I am looking forward to 2024. I think there's something special on the horizon. You know, for us, ultimately, the future is heaven. I look forward to heaven. You know, there's something, it's different. Uh, Maybe not, because it just depends on how close you are to people. But there's something different about when it's somebody in your immediate family that makes heaven more real than ever and more desirable i look forward to heaven my knees will be good i'll be able to smell chocolate chip cookies because i can't smell anymore maybe god will heal me pray for that um there's a lot of things i don't want to get surgery on my shoulder maybe i should um i look forward to heaven But I also look forward to what God has in store for me. You know, we want to go to heaven. And we want to take as many people with us as we can. That's it. We want to encourage people, right? And so I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I hope that you're here today. And when you look forward, that your future is rooted in this relationship with God that now as we're starting this new year, that you begin to set goals and you begin to keep them and you begin to ask God for wisdom and all the different things that he's laying on your heart. You know, real quick, I, I want to just read through this Psalm and and kind of give you, you know, the kind of the context here. Uh, again, praise the Lord, he says there in verse one, which is what Hebrew word? Hallelujah. Now, I want to get a little Pentecostal on you. Is that okay? All right. Hallelujah. You guys are like, Hallelujah. It's like, come on, man. Say it. Hallelujah." Hallelujah. Yes. Praise the Lord. That's what he's saying here, hallelujah, praise the Lord, notice he says it twice, praise the Lord, O oh my soul, while I live, I will praise the Lord, I will sing praises to my God while I have my being, listen, this is the only time you can praise the Lord by faith in heaven, there's no more faith required, so right now, it really blesses God when you praise him, hallelujah. He says there in verse three, you know, just gonna be careful, man. You do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs; he returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Again, I'm not saying that people can't be vessels, but they 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 they, they can they can't be sources of help or joy or happiness. So don't look to people. We love people. Thank you for being so beautiful and wonderful. But you know, I'm I'm looking to God. Verse five, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help for whose hope is in the Lord his God. Because just in case you didn't know, whatever it is that you're facing or that you will ever face in life, he's alive, he's real, he's truly able to help you. Because look what it says right there. Verse 6, Who made, this God made heaven and earth The sea and all that is in them who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. And and you know, Jesus did that when he came, literally opened the eyes of those who were blind. But he does that spiritually. Isn't it beautiful, man, to, to know? I remember one thing I know for sure. I can say the same thing the guy said in John chapter 9. I remember August 19th, 1989, I was blind. And then when God came into my life, the day that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I was able to see for the first time. He opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. Many of you probably can relate to things like this. The the widows, those whose parents aren't there. You know, the strangers being, you know, uh, foreigners maybe. But the way of the wicked, Bible says, he turns upside down. They might look like, you know, we read in Psalm 73, you look at the wicked and man, it looks like they're prospering. No, but one day there will be justice, right? Every wrong will be right and God will do that work. Verse 10, I just look forward to it. The Lord shall reign for how long? Forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. I pray that God of hope, that he would fill you with joy and peace in believing like the Bible says in Romans fifteen thirteen, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I was reading through this psalm the other day, I wrote a little prayer and I want to just read it to you and then we'll close with just a couple of final words. This is, this is a prayer that I wrote and I, and I do encourage you guys as you're reading through the Bible, write up prayers. You know, you read and then you pray. You read and then you pray. It's kind of cool having a conversation with God like that. But as I read this verse, I I wrote this prayer. I said, thank you, God, for your willingness to be the God of Jacob, the God of someone like me, a very imperfect man, a big-time sinner. And, And thank you, God, that not only are you my God, but you bring me happiness you bring me joy. You put a smile on my heart. You're the one who has helped me through life in a billion impossible situations where I never would have made it through unless you had helped me. But I have prevailed. Thank you, Lord, for being my hope, the future is good it's bright it's perfectly filled with purpose it won't be easy but i believe god i'll be happy because i have you and you're all i need father help me to know that happiness is not found in my perfect situation happiness is found in my glorious salvation thank you god for making me holy yes And thank you, God, for making me happy. Thank you, God, for making me yours. You see? And and Lucy, I love Lucy. (laughs) But she asked that question. She said, it's a heck of a start being able to recognize what makes you happy. I I tell you what, it's, it's a better start To recognize who makes you happy. It's not a what. It's not a that. And it's not a him or a her. It will never be. Our happiness has to be rooted in a relationship with him. And many of you here, you have that relationship. But if you don't, I pray that today, as we're getting ready to start a new year, that you would start a new relationship, that there would be a new beginning in your life.